0: the human experience is full of pain like it's full of of heartache and it's full of grief and it's full of um joy and delight you know it's the whole the whole actually range of emotion is what the human experience is about and i think you know being diagnosed with um a, a an illness so young i think i just I don't know. Honestly, I reflect a lot about like the miracle that I'm not angry and bitter and hate God. And (laughs) I actually reflect on it a lot because it's pretty, it's miraculous, I think, to be, to have dealt with so much pain since I was so young um, and to still be so fascinated with the person of Jesus. Like, I think, um. I just think we're not prepared enough for, like, what life is actually about and what it brings.
1: Welcome to Season 1, Episode 2, Part 2, with Jonathan David and Melissa Helsa. You're listening to The Beautiful Pursuit, and I'm your host, Antoinette MacDonald. This is part two with The Hulses, thriving in the human experience. You'll hear a bit of laughing and a bit of crying in this episode. Tissues and sniffing were all over this one as this delightful couple share their hearts about subjects that we like to avoid as Christians. Subjects like pain, suffering, and sickness. So
2: right
1: I'm pretty sure that the Hulses will inspire you in this episode to find the Lord in the midst of whatever you're going through. I'm convinced that this episode will champion you to fight for your connection with the Father and not to put him at a distance when you go through the valleys of real life. You see, we do this strange thing as followers of Jesus. We assume that when life is good and we are in a good place, that God is in a good place with us, as if he ever changes. And then when there's trouble or suffering, well, God's changed towards us and something is wrong. As a parent, I think of it like this. When my kids get sick or are hurt, I'm as much in love with them and therefore them as when they are well. In fact, often an injustice about that stuff will rise up inside of me and I want to fight whatever is coming against them. Above all, my heart is that they would thrive no matter what they face, that they know that they are loved endlessly no matter what they are going through. And I want to be there, holding their hands, helping in whatever way I can through it all. How much better than that is God? Oh, that we would truly know Him. This month on The Beautiful Pursuit, the Hulses talk about the chronic pain that Melissa has lived with since she was 17 years old. They talk about how that has affected their life and their marriage and their pursuit of friendship with the Holy Spirit. This dynamic couple also share the story of how they were signed with Bethel Music a few years ago, something that dramatically changed the scope of their influence and helped get their music all over the world. These are real people with real lives and real struggles. It can look so perfect on music videos or on interviews or on social media. But in my own life, this couple and their ministry has made a massive impact on the stuff that often no one really sees, but it's the stuff that really counts. The way that I deal with my kids when they freak out. The tiny choices I'm making every day to guard my connection with the Lord. My overwhelming conviction that He is better than I can ever dream up. He is who He says He is. And so I really can be who He says I am. That, in my opinion, is thriving in the human experience. Deep love pouring out and filling up my shell. Beautiful Jesus, my glorious friend. Mel, you shared with so much vulnerability and courage about your own struggle with your health. And a lot of your songs, it's like you've written out of this place of being hard-pressed but sounding so full of hope, which has made you such an inspiration. I want to know how you stay so encouraged um, and what so many years of pain has forged in you, I guess, and what your journey, if you've had one, with bitterness that health issues can bring in, and I guess with self-pity has been, if there has been one.
0: I think that I'm turning 38 this year, and I've been reflecting a lot over the holidays um, of just how thankful I am for the person of Jesus. And I think as we keep growing older in God, like keeping that fascination with His nature and His presence and who He actually is, you know, is what keeps us really soft, Mm -hmm. I think, when we. Get far away from his, like the person of Jesus, the nature of the Father, the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's really easy to be overwhelmed and consumed with what's happening in our life. Um, and I've just been reflecting mm. a lot, even just moments just sitting still and just feeling, just, you know, starting to cry, feeling mm. the overwhelming mm. presence of Jesus, like just, and being so thankful that that He's with me and that He's present and that He's really walked me through the human experience, which I think I think what's not taught often enough is that the human experience is full of pain, like it's full of, of heartache and it's full of grief and it's full of um, joy and delight. You know, it's the whole the whole actually range of emotion is what the human experience is about. And I think you know being diagnosed with um an illness so young I think I just I don't know honestly I reflect a lot about like the miracle that I'm not angry and bitter and hate God and (laughs) I actually reflect on it a lot because it's pretty it's miraculous I think to be to have dealt with so much pain since I was so young um And to still be so fascinated with the person of Jesus. like, I think, um, I just think we're not prepared enough for like what life is actually about and what it brings. And not letting like the moments that are overwhelming crush our spirit, you know. And because so much is taught, I think that, you know if something's going bad in our life then something's wrong with our relationship with Jesus you know and it's just so ridiculous because the human the human experience is is full of of joy and pain and i think Jesus modeled that he when i read about the life of Jesus i read about his he fully immersed himself in the totality of human emotion the the grief and the sorrow of losing friends and the pain and, and the tears and then the delight and the feasting and the joy and you know even betrayal, you know so deep, such deep betrayal by I mean two of his closest betrayed him, you know it's like mm-hmm. and even he modeled this willingness, this ability to fully engage the human emotion of sorrow and and weeping and, and grief and I think. From my heart, even in the last 10 years, probably, I've, my journey has been a lot about that. It's been the Lord wooing me into proper rhythms of grieving and, and weeping when I need to weep and laughing when I need to laugh and not acting like I have to perform for Him and mm. just letting go of, of all of that. And like when I need to be vulnerable, whether it's just with Jonathan, or it's on stage with several thousand people watching, like just this willingness, like when the Lord is leading me because he's my safe place, it really doesn't matter the moment I'm in. Like if he's leading me into vulnerability, it's first for my freedom yeah. and then for whoever's watching, you know, and I think me giving in to that beautiful posture of grieving without hopelessness and actually being able to weep and not lose heart mm. and feel Jesus there with me, um, that when I weep, he weeps like he enters into the to my pain, and then in the same breath, knowing that like I'm never gonna stop you know fighting for the fullness of of my healing, you know, and that looks like a million different things it looks like partnering and taking care of my body and it looks like being willing to let people pray for me, you know, it it, it looks like so many different things. But,
1: sure.
0: but just actually staying soft mm-hmm. um, really has been more in the last 10 years of just not acting like, you know, the better I hold it together, the more proud Jesus is of me in the way I carry this cross, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. I'm like no actually the vulnerability of I actually have a lot of moments where I'm I'm overwhelmed to the you know with pain and I'm mm-hmm. overwhelmed with sorrow that I that I you know have I can't run and play with my kids the way I want to or whatever and actually entering into mm-hmm. that sorrow but not breaking connection with the father and not mm-hmm. not saying for me to grieve, I have to actually walk away from you. But actually saying, I'm actually gonna walk toward you and I'm gonna lay my head on your chest and I'm gonna cry there and I'm gonna grieve there mm. and I'm gonna grieve what's what I've lost instead of you know walking away and grieving. And I think that's actually been the the biggest changing agent for me in the last season is just pressing in. When I'm really tired and I'm. Yeah. I can barely get out of bed, like actually leaning into Jesus and not walking away from him.
1: Mm. Thank you. I love that so much. This, to me, is walking through the hard stuff with a soft heart, grieving without hopelessness, weeping without losing heart, feeling Jesus weep with us when we weep knowing that if we let him, he enters into our pain with us. And yet Melissa says she never stops believing for and fighting for her healing. And even in that, healing looks like a lot of things, and she lists them. Diet, treatments, letting people pray for her. It's so important that if we want to be emotionally healthy people, that we learn the proper rhythms of grieving and of rejoicing. I think um, something that you spoke about at the retreat that made such a deep impact on me. You spoke about the crescendo of the cross being the Holy Spirit and the one who swallowed up loneliness forever. And I realized that so much of where I had positioned the Holy Spirit in my heart and life, I was missing Him. I was missing friendship. I was missing, yeah, you know, the Helper. Yeah and how accessible He is in every emotion, in every situation, um, and how, I guess so often, church culture can create an idea about the Holy Spirit that is so foreign to who He really is. Yeah, yeah. Because um, we then associate Him with, you know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit or... yeah. Um, instead of the friendship with the Holy Spirit. I love the way you speak about that. I mean, maybe you can speak into that a bit more.
0: Yeah, I think, um, I think the gift of having a, a disease since I was 17, which I know a lot of people would <laughs> theologically disagree with the, even that statement. But I think the gift for me of being able to walk these seasons of suffering, even getting married very young, having children very young, in the midst of walking through suffering. I think it just created a neediness in me and Jonathan for the reality of the person of the Holy Spirit, like the reality of Jesus, the reality of Father, just for us to get through normal days. You know, like, forget getting through a worship set. Like, we're just trying to, like, you know, thrive in our normal life of raising children and, you know, dreaming and not letting... This this suffering swallow us, you know, and I think yes. for for me that that was the gift of of the suffering. It, it was that all of a sudden, like at a very young age, I was searching for the the trueness of who Jesus was. Like I was searching for mm-hmm. like the the presence of friendship beyond a meeting and I mean I grew up in church and I I love the church. Like but when I'm you know I can't I can't get out of bed, I can't walk, that you know, it creates a a reality of like who who is the Holy Spirit in this moment for me? Like who is He beyond you know, speaking in tongues or people getting slain in the Spirit or, you know, like when He moves in a corporate moment, like who is He beyond that? Like is is He even, can He even come to me in this moment in the way I need Him? And it just created this incredible hunger um, to know the reality of the nature of the Trinity really. Like because I, because I needed it, you know, it wasn't so that I could, Teach on the Holy Spirit one day, or sing, write songs. It was because I was desperate, and and I think in that process, it was like, oh my gosh, like the the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Like, am I producing fruit? And I, I had a moment. This is probably where it like definitely took root. Um, I was probably in my mid twenties and really sick. It was it was really really intense in that time, and I was with a friend and. I was just having a really hard time I'd, I'd had some encounters with you know people that were just you need to have more faith and you need to believe God more and if you fast and pray and you know all that pressurized stuff and yeah. and I it was really sending me spinning honestly like I need to do more I need to be more how do I get God to turn and do what I want him to do you know and and I was sitting with a friend and I, I was in a really rough spot and and I just said, I just need help like I don't I don't really know how to process what's going on. And, and he looked at me and he said, Melissa, is this season of your life producing good fruit? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, is this season, the suffering, producing good fruit? Is it producing more kindness? Is it producing mercy? Is it producing love? Is it producing grace? Is it producing in you self-control? And I was like, it was literally like, Every light in my internal space got turned on at the same exact time, (laughs) you know? And I was like, oh my gosh. And it was like in that moment I could see myself in this orchard of fruit, you know? And it was like just so life-changing because I realized like, oh my gosh, like this suffering, the gift of it is actually that it's producing this like... Unbelievable amount of fruit in my life you know that that sometimes only suffering can produce, you know, and that was my mid twenties and it was just like absolutely life changing it totally changed the trajectory of my performance for healing, and I was just like, oh my gosh, my life is like there's fruit coming out of my ears, you know like <laughs> i'm this the suffering has produced a tenderness in my heart that none of my giftings could ever produce, you know, and I think it's why I started writing music because I I just needed to process the pain and and the victory, and I needed to be able to sing declarations over my own heart, Um, you know, to sing something and to pray something is very different, and melodies live forever, you know, they just, they keep going on and on, and and I, I think that, man, the Holy Spirit it's just saved my life. Like, I mean, my, my kids know it. They're just, whenever I'm just in a moment, they're like, Mom, you just love the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, I would be dead without the Holy Spirit, like His friendship. And I think being able to like let the fullness of the gift of the cross actually affect my life in the everyday, you know, has been my just obsession with with the Holy Spirit. like. In, 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 actual, in the actual living with Him yeah. every day, like knowing that I don't have to parent alone. I don't have to do marriage alone. I don't have to lead by myself. I don't have to know. He's never expected me to know it all and to know what to do. Like I have access 100% of the time, hmm. you know, and that truly the crescendo of the cross was that He wasn't far away, that He actually wanted to come inside of us and, and completely cancel that distance and be accessible Yes. all the time, you know? I mean, you can imagine the disciples when they're just like, don't leave. And Jesus is like, you don't even know what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's everything that you longed for mm-hmm. was to actually not just be around me, but for me to be in you. And for you to like to actually be empowered to do the gifts, to do the extravagant, you know, to pray for the sick to open blind eyes to raise the dead, but to also not be lonely and not be sad and not be depressed and so, not be anxious and to have help when you're trying to get your two-year- old to do what you want him to do. you know what I mean? <laughs> like I think that whole entire perspective um, mm has become really the, the message of my life is not how do we, you know, survive when we have a sickness. It's how do we thrive in this human experience and not let life suck the hope and the connection that we're meant to live with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Like, so good. life is going to be hard and it's full of tragedy and trauma yes. and pain. But he's he's actually present for all of that.
1: The glory of your promises you make a wrong things right. Johnny, how do you walk through with the woman you love the most in the world when she's in pain? And and how do you cope? How does your marriage cope? And how do you can you thrive in the midst of pain? What's what's the journey been from your side?
2: Yeah, it's um Yeah, we're coming up on 18 years our first few months of being married is when the sickness really um began to show up in Melissa's body and we've had seasons of uh being, you know, to me the 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 lowest we've been in the valley of the shadow and then we've had moments of um mountain peak moments where you uh you just know heaven's going to touch earth, and the, the sickness is going to leave forever. Um, and then, but you wake up the next morning, and it's still there. And you're so thankful for those mountain peaks. Mm. Uh, and then also in the in the dark valleys, we've discovered that he is a really good shepherd that was continually beside us. Mm. There's this there's this beautiful thing as a husband um, inside of me. This holy tension of being so thankful. But not satisfied. Um, I'm so thankful. We've had some breakthrough with different medicines that she's been on, and um, I mean, I'll never forget the date that we went on when she Melissa hadn't worn a dress in maybe f- three, four, five years because of the, the psoriasis on her skin. She just wasn't comfortable wearing a dress because it was covering so much of her body. And we had this breakthrough with the medicine. And we went out on this date for the first time in a dress. you know. Oh, and it, it makes you so grateful for the little things that you yeah. can so easily take for granted. And being so grateful for the medicine, but then so not satisfied. Because I know just a touch of the, the edge of his robe and she can be made whole. Mm-hmm. But learning how to rest in that tension I heard Jack Deere say that faith is not just believing that God can heal. Faith is when we believe that God wants healing even more than us. Yeah. And coming to that place of uh, you know, almost every night before I fall asleep, I'll just I'll just reach my hand out and, and pray for my bride. But I've watched my prayers just grow and mature over these 18 years. Uh, where at the beginning it was I was just ready to pull down heaven and fast and pray and do everything I could to get healing to come into my bride's body, with so much zeal and so much passion, and um, even this last week, just as the cold weather comes, it can cause the bone pain to increase in Melissa's body, and just these last these last few weeks, just reaching over and praying for, and knowing more than ever that my my father her father wants healing in her body far more than i could ever want it Mm -hmm. and prayer is is when i agree with what he wants and he desires but then trusting and learning how to sleep in the storm and his goodness Mm -hmm. and uh yeah it's it there's so much tension in it but we've met so much of the goodness of the father Mm -hmm. and i think really learning to how to um how to not be uh there's times I need to be the strong husband for her, but then there's times I need to get out of the way and let Jesus be the strong one. Yeah. I need to get out of the way, and uh, I can't be the healer. I, I get to call on the healer, but I need to get out of the way and let the healer come and wrap his arms around his daughter. Mm. And so learning that beautiful dance of when to fight for Melissa and when to to, to really bow down and let, um, let the Father fight for her, if that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Wow. Your beautiful music that is finding its way into so many nooks and crannies around the world. Um, and your association obviously now with Bethel Music. Um, how, did, how did East meet West? How did North Carolina meet California? Um, and what made you say yes? Um, you're so different and yet such a beautiful fit. Um, maybe you can chat a bit about that.
2: Yeah. It was, um, it was such a, you know, you look back on it now and you're like, oh, that's how God writes stories mm-hmm. in the sense of they are so effortless in, in the, our sweat and our striving not making it happen. We... We're not really sure how it happened, but someone slipped one of our older albums on the shores into Jen Johnson's um, mailbox, and um, and and I know just me unless we've been given so many CDs over the years that people want you to listen to, and it there's just no way you can listen to them all.
0: And somehow
2: she said it was it, it was on her uh, it was in her CD player while she was picking up her kids from school. And all of a sudden, as she was kind of stuck in this line, Explode My Soul came on. And it met her in the middle of a a season where there was a lot of tension in her life. Um, And this song came across that brought hope in the midst of disappointment. Mm -hmm. And for the whole team, the album sort of spread across the whole team. We had no idea that their whole team was listening to the album. And they reached out to us and said, Hey, would you guys come out to Reading at some point? and just spend some time with us. Um, we want to get to know you. We want you to meet our family and spend some time with us. So we, uh, we we made it work out. We made a trip out there and spent a whole weekend there. And it was like meeting a, a family we didn't know we had. There was so much connection. It was really fun even to realize some of their spiritual mothers and fathers, uh, Ray Hughes, uh, Don and Christine Potter, uh, Susie Yorare and a couple mm-hmm. others had actually Led our school ended up being like fathers and mothers of the worship movement out at Reading. We had no idea we had like the same um, mm. the same inspiration in our life. So that probably made the connection even more effortless. And towards the end of that weekend, they approached us and said, Guys, we, there's so much favor that the Lord's poured over Bethel music. Bill's been teaching. Bill Johnson has been teaching that if we can serve with the favor, um, that has been poured out then the favor won 't crush us in uh, the same way that um, Jesus took the favor of heaven and he, he knelt down and he served fishermen and he washed their feet they said we want to we want to serve you guys can we help you guys with your music we love what you 're doing with our, your schools a couple other musicians had actually been out and done our schools so they 'd seen the the fruit of the school but we want, we don 't want you to move here to reading but we do want to take your music and send it all over the world if you 'll let us help you and if we can serve you, and you know, it, it kind of was one of those things of like, really, is that it okay? Is that really what you guys want to do? Because it, <laughs> uh, it just kind of felt too good to be true in a sense. Because we've just done so much here on our own. Um, we just we had stayed completely independent up to that point. We've built our schools. The music had grown, and and to actually have an ally come and say we want to fight for you with no other motive. Than to serve you. Uh, it felt a little too good to be true. And I've just begun to discover that that's usually when you know it's God, because uh, <laughs> he is too good to be true, but he is. He's more true than that. And so, yeah, they uh, it was really a last minute thing. They said, we have an album coming up. Would you guys want to put a song on it? When we sang No Longer Slaves on We Will Not Be Shaken, that was our first time ever singing the song with a band. Uh, we had literally just <laughs> finished writing it days before it. Uh, we're tweaking it and changing it. And we were singing for our lives, because it was like being on the, the front of a ship in the middle of a storm. We didn't know which way the song was going to go, what was going to happen with it. Yeah. and uh, And that was the beginning of the friendship but more than more than record sales and and just the it really has brought like a, a whole different level of influence to our life. Um, the relationship has been marked by family and friendship. And um, I can look back at it now and we're about three years into it. and it's formed some incredible friendships in our life and uh, and they've helped us so much, but then they've also welcomed us into to just speak into their family and and have a voice there with what God's doing with Bethel music.
1: If I say the beautiful pursuit, what is the beautiful pursuit to you in your own lives, in your own hearts?
2: Yeah, I think it's the, the presence of a father who continually is waiting in the morning. Um, I, just, I got up early this morning. I, I don't, I'm not always uh, so holy to get up so early. <laughs> uh, uh, but this morning I, I woke up and when I sat down with my cup of coffee and um, I just opened the scripture, I could feel him saying, I love these moments. I've been waiting on you. And I think the pursuit we can always... A lot of times we can make it about us pursuing Him uh, instead of heaven pursuing us. Mm. And this morning, just today, I felt so pursued by a father who would wait with eager expectation for me to, to sit with Him and be with Him. Yeah, that's some of what it means to me.
0: Yeah, I think it... I was just thinking about even how marriage requires such a consistent pursuit of one another and that we don't actually, like graduate beyond that pursuit you know if you Mm -hmm. if we want to have a thriving marriage it actually requires a, a mutual pursuit of each other you know and every season looks so different the way we pursue one another and I think that that willingness to do whatever it takes to stay in love and to stay in a in a place of thriving in whatever season you're in For me, would feel like the beautiful pursuit. I feel overwhelmed when I when Jonathan pursues me, Mm -hmm. and I know that he feels the same. You know, after eighteen years, you're still pursuing connection, pursuing a deeper understanding of how to speak each other's language. uh, Mm
1: -hmm. You know,
0: like what do we need right now with teenagers that we didn't need when they were (laughs) two and three? You know, like what do we and what are we going to need when they're you know adults? And and I I think that 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 willingness to keep pursuing you know love and connection mm. to me, it would be exactly how I would describe you know my relationship with Jesus, with the Father, the Holy Spirit is like every season it looks different what What worked a month ago might not work today, you know, and actually staying in that atmosphere of being pursued by him. And then pursuing Him, you know, in the really big moments that feel like they're the most significant. And then in the really super small mundane moments. You know, I I literally recently took my daughter to Disney World for the first time. And it was just me and her. And the whole time, I literally felt overwhelmingly met by Jesus in just (laughs) making a plan and scheduling things and reservations opening up that I didn't think were gonna open up and you know, getting we were given three tickets to do the Christmas party at Disney World and and every time I just felt overwhelmingly pursued by Jesus. And it was just so simple, you know, it was like Disney World with my twelve year old <laughs> and and Jesus was just there, you know, and I just wanna live that kind of life where no matter where I am or what I'm doing there's this consistency of pursuit Mm. me to him and him to me and I think Jesus is actually pursuing us all the time we just haven't been taught how to actually have eyes to see it right like that he's meeting us in relationships and he's meeting us in really tiny mundane moments Mm. and if we could actually learn to open open up our eyes and see him for who he really is like this unbelievable friend and lover and father and companion, um, if we can actually learn to see like that then we then we just get rocked by his his pursuit of us, yeah. you know, so, We're good. We're good. so good.
1: That's it from The Beautiful Pursuit today, thank you for your amazing feedback, the messages, the emails, Facebook shares and Instagram comments please rate this episode and this podcast on iTunes. It really makes a big difference to getting it out there. And as always, a big up to my good friend and incredibly talented sound designer and musician, Sean Williams, for his music on this episode and his hard work on my podcast. Find Sean on Facebook and get all the info you need to find his albums on iTunes. It's some of our family's favourite music to have busting through the house. We've got such an exciting episode coming up with the incredible John Mark Macmillan, So join us again next time on The Beautiful Pursuit.